Thank you, Murray. Uh, as an Auburn fan, I needed something to lift me up today, so I appreciate you guys helping me out in that. Well, Murray was just showing off, wasn't he? Didn't, wasn't he just showing off? Thank you, Murray. Uh, appreciate the kids giving me my own gumballs. If you were here last week, I stole the little girl's gumball from her while they was passing it out. So now I have my own source of gumball. Uh, I appreciate Teen Challenge being here, and I appreciate the work of Teen Challenge, and thank you guys for that. And I would like to, I know it's an addiction recovery program, and uh, just I want to pray for you guys. So would you stand and let me pray for you guys, and you guys bow your heads for me as we pray for these group of young men as they uh, fight the good fight in Jesus Christ. Okay, so would you bow your heads for just a moment? Father, we thank you for these young men and thank you for the program they're in. I thank you that it's Christ-oriented and the only solution to all our problems is in Jesus Christ. And so you watch over them, take care of them, bless them to fight those kind of addictions and be those uh, young people, young men that you would have them to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. Now, uh, just if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4. I've been preaching on the letter of Philippians, and Paul is in Rome, and he's writing to uh, Christians in Philippi, and they're some like a thousand miles away. But there's a very special bond that he has to this church, and it's his favorite church. And they have a very special bond to him. And so he's writing in this chapter kind of as a final chapter as he doesn't know whether he'll see them again. And it's almost the words that he gives them are like uh, parents who pack up their children and send them off to school and know that what they're going into may not be the best of situations, uh, morally or Christian-wise. And so he gives some commands here, one after another, kind of like a parent giving their children command. But these are commands to remember and don't ever forget them. And he's saying, in essence, in these words, behave yourself. I don't know if you've ever heard that from your mother and daddy, but my mother and daddy used to frequently say that, behave yourself. So in essence, this is what he's saying, behave yourself. But he gives them some kind of words to hold on to, to behave themselves. Because if it wasn't for Christ Jesus, uh, things would not come together like they should come together. Now, uh, before I get started, I want to say uh, God bless Anna Elizabeth and Ben Beers. They've had a little baby girl. And so Ben has three women in his world today. So, uh, well, you know what it's like back there to have those women. In, but we thank God that uh, mother's healthy and the baby's healthy. And Marvin uh, Smithman had uh, surgery this week, and he's, he's doing fine. And I thank God for that successful surgery. Also, I thank Judy McInnes and Dale Scroggins did our front piece here on the Lord's Supper table. Am I right, Dale? Did you? Okay. I think they deserve a hand. Didn't they do a great job? Let's give them a hand, okay? Now, I just want to warn you, between now and January the 1st, the average person gains 10 pounds. So just remember that 
this week as you're eating all that turkey and dressing and all that. Uh, Susan and I are going to a shrimp bowl because that's the kind of uh, Gulf Coast thing to do. So that's the first time I've been to a shrimp bowl on, on uh, Thanksgiving, but I'm looking forward to it. And I know you're looking forward to getting together with family and friends and um, eating all that food and just having a great time. But Thanksgiving is a very special holiday, and I thank God for that for our nation. But I also thank God that back there in 1621, the pilgrims decided to look at things that were going for them and not thinking about the things that were going against them. And they decided to have a day of Thanksgiving. Uh, pilgrims came from England because they could not worship in the way they wanted to worship. And the Church of England was keeping them from having worship service time. And so they got two boats, the Speedwell and, and the Mayflower, and the first one was a leaking boat, so they all jumped on that, and they had a hundred and something people on that boat. But by the, and took some 60-something days to get here, and they were supposed to land in Virginia, and they landed instead in Cape Cod. And there are no grits in Cape Cod, so they missed out on the grits, and they... Whoever's in charge of the navigation missed off a little bit. But the first year, half their number uh, died away. And so in the middle of that sadness, they were considering whether we should go back to England or whether we should stay here. And they made that choice because Thanksgiving is always a choice. And they made that choice to have a feast and celebrate that. And it became ingrained in our nation's history, and I'm glad it's still there. And it's a day to set aside that we thank God. And I hope this week, as you are having with uh, several generations, if you are, I hope that somebody will stand up and say why God has blessed us and lead their family in a prayer of thanking God how much God has blessed us. So I want to pass that on to you because I want it to be going, go down from one generation to another generation to another generation. So I especially want to see the men to stand up in their family setting and to thank God why I think we have Thanksgiving with their family and also to lead their family in prayer. So let me challenge you to do that and make that challenge in your home. Now, in Philippians chapter 4, uh, in honor of God's word, would you stand as I read for us from Philippians chapter 4? And I'll try to point out the commands that are here in these first 10 verses. Verse 1, if you have your Bibles, uh, therefore, my beloved brethren, you see how he's just pouring out his heart to them. Uh, he, they are so close to him. And you can feel the kind of closeness that's between there and a pastor and the people that he has seen that church grow. So he says, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. Boy, he's just really putting out the beloved words and the relationship word. And he says this. This is a command. Stand fast in the Lord. It doesn't just say stand fast. But he says stand fast in the Lord. And that's how you and I draw our strength from, 
to be able to stand fast in a world that's trying to pull us away from the Lord and pull us in another direction. Stand fast in the Lord. I beseech you, Odia, and, and beseech Syntyche. I did to each one of them. These were two women who were together at one time, but now they're apart. And they probably don't even speak to each other again. And they were both Christians. They have the same mind in the Lord. That's a good. You bring it together. Whatever your conflict is, bring it together in the Lord. And I entreat you, yoke fellow. He's probably talking to a guy named Clement. Help these women. They need some help to bring a third person in to help them to bring it together. Their names are in the book of life, so you know that they're Christians. And I hope your name is written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And that's a command. But it's also a feeling. Whatever situation you're in, find yourself rejoicing in that moment. Not for the situation, but because God is there with you in that situation. Verse 5, let your moderation or your gentleness be known unto all men. Let you have a, a reputation of being that gentle person. The Lord is at hand. He is right near you. He sees what you're doing. He knows what you're doing. He is there near you to give you the strength to face whatever you have to face. The Lord is near. Verse 6, and I think this is one of my favorite verses. Be anxious for nothing. Okay, now look at the person next to you. Do they look like they're anxious? Would you do that? Do you? They look like they're anxious. Um, if they are, don't mess with them, okay? They might... <laughs> Hit you with the with their Bible. Be anxious for nothing. As, a, as another command. But it didn't stop there. But in everything, not some things, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. With thanksgiving, I left that out purposely with thanksgiving don't leave thanksgiving out of your prayer because it doesn't go anywhere if it doesn't have thanksgiving and the peace of god you know there's a world that needs peace and the peace of god which is beyond our understanding will keep your hearts and minds and the word there is uh, guard your hearts and minds it will guard whatever comes into your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Uh, there were uh, two men who were running across the field, and these Brahma bulls got after them. I don't know if you've ever been in front of Brahma bulls, but it is a scary sight. I used to cross a pasture to go fishing when I was a little boy, and I'd go past a pasture full of Brahma bull. And I learned how to pray very much when I was, all I had was my BB gun facing those pasture of Brahma bulls. But as they were running in front of these bulls, and the bulls were chasing them, one turned to the other and said, uh, You need to pray. And he said, I don't, know, I don't know what to pray. And he said, 
you need to pray, whatever you need to pray. And so he said, my mama taught me how to pray, which is a good thing. And so he said, I'll pray my mama's prayer. And he said, Lord, for what we're about to receive, we're truly thankful. <laughs> but that follows the command by Paul. Paul said this, in everything, in everything, give thanks. There's something about thankfulness that has this creative energy that brings to that moment the presence of God in a very powerful way. In everything, give thanks. Now, we cannot control the things that happen to us in a large sense because there's a lot of things that happen to us that are somebody else's fault and it's come down this way and that way. So we cannot control what all things happen to us, but we can control how we respond to them. And this is how we respond. Thank you, God. Not so much that I thank you for what has happened to me, but I thank you that you're in this moment with me. And when God is there, his presence is there, there's always the opportunity of things happening we didn't understand or we can move beyond our understanding and watch him put some things together that you would never imagine that he would put together. And it's all kind of triggered by thanksgiving. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there's a guy named Jehoshaphat. And I don't know if you've ever known of Jehoshaphat. And I don't want you to get to heaven and run into him and say, who are you? I didn't remember who you were. Uh, Jehoshaphat is a great, great grandson of David. And his kingdom was in Jerusalem. He was the king of Jerusalem. And he just learned that a coalition of Arab armies were coming towards him. And it was going to be five to one. And he was outnumbered. So he could have said, why is this happening to me? Which is the kind of question that doesn't go anywhere and it only brings the negative out. But he went to his quiet room and he got on his knees and he prayed. And he said, God, you have been there for us. You brought us through our Red Sea experience and you brought us on the other side. You have been there for us in times that we could not, we thought were gone, but you were there with us. And he began to re rehearse the times that God had been there in moments that we didn't even know he was there. And he said, we want you to be with us now. And then he says in verse 12, which is such a beautiful verse, we don't know what to do, but our eyes on you. Listen to that. Because there are times that you will be in that position where you will say on your knees, maybe flat on your face, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And what is against us is bigger than we are. So God, if you don't help us, we don't know what we're going to do. And so God helped them. It was an amazing kind of thing that happened. When the army got toward them, they sent out the choir to sing 
at the army. I think that's a good idea, Frank. You might want to train your choir to go to Israel and sing towards uh, Humas. How about that? And just so they started killing each other. And they, Hasaphat and his army didn't have to do a thing. So later on, they just prayed, thank you, God, for blessing us. Because God has solutions you and I never knew that were going to happen. The miracle that Jesus does in uh, John that's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the only miracle that's recorded for all four of the Gospels that Jesus did. So it is a popular miracle. And they were there in the middle of nowhere, probably in a region that's above that, where Assyria is uh, uh, attacking the Israelis. He was probably out there in no man's land in the middle of nowhere, and he said to his disciples, we need to feed these people. How are we going to feed them? And he said, there's nobody around here with a covered dish. And that's what you do in a Baptist church is get a covered dish. You can't get to heaven without having a covered dish. And I've had some really covered dishes that were very good. I've had some, some that I said, Lord, if I get it down, you help me keep it down. <laughs> but there was no covered dish out there. So Andrew, Andrew was checking the lunches of the crowd, and as he was checking the lunches of the crowd, there was a little boy that had not eaten his lunch yet. Can you imagine that? A boy that brought it to the group and had not eaten his lunch, and there were just loaves and fish. And he brought that to Jesus. And Jesus bowed his head and said, Lord, we don't have enough here. It's not enough. Didn't say that. We thank you for what we have. Because it's easier to gripe about what you don't have. And sometimes we get our eyes off of what we do have. And Joseph's brothers saw that their brother had on this coat of many colors and they didn't have it. So they envied him. They began to look at what he had and they didn't have. But they were blessed to be the start of the nation of Israel. But as Jesus prayed, he thanked God for what they did have. And all of a sudden, it was like a Taylor Swift concert. They started passing out the food, and they took up 12 baskets full. See, thankfulness has that kind of creative power. In Luke chapter 17, there were 10 lepers. And leprosy is kind of like cancer today. Uh, lepers, once a person caught leprosy, there was no way out. They were dead men walking. And so there were 10 lepers, had no future whatsoever. They had to separate them from their families, had to separate them from society. And so as Jesus was going to Jerusalem to die on the cross, they hollered out to him because they could only do it from a distance. And they said, Jesus, Lord, have mercy upon us. That was their cry, Lord, have mercy upon us. And so Jesus said, go to the priest and you will be healed. 
So there was a faith venture. Sometimes God tells us, you do this and I'll do this. You do this and I'll do this. And so as they went to the priest, on the way to the priest, they were healed, healed of leprosy. And the priest declared them clean. And then they all went their way except for one. And he was a Samaritan. And as a Samaritan, he saw it. It doesn't mean that he wouldn't see it. Some faith eyes can see things that unbelief eyes can never see. He saw it. And when he saw it, he put it together. And he found Jesus. And when he found Jesus, he thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He couldn't help but express, for now he was healed. And so Jesus said, what? Where are the other nine? Because it's easier to ask God for something than it is to come back and thank him for his answered prayer. And let me tell you, answered prayer is one of the greatest things that can happen to us. Where are the nine? Because it's one thing to ask. It's another thing to turn around and say thank you. But something about faith has this. It grabs hold of you and says, say thank you. It's just got to be expressed. It just, it just comes out. Lord, thank you. I mean, I used to be a leper and now I'm cleansed. Paul wrote about thankfulness more than anybody else because he remembered who he was before he met Christ. And he says thank you more than Jesus says thank you. He says thank you more than John says thank you. But he remembered it was Christ that saved him on that road to Damascus. And when he writes to these Philippians, he writes thanking God for them. And he remembers when he and uh, Silas were in the jail and they'd thrown them in the jail and they'd beat them and put them in the stocks in the back. And there were stripes and scars on their backs. And he remembers he and Silas thanking and praising God. And an old jailer heard that. A man who was kind of uh, solid in the middle, he's hard. And yet it broke the plane of his hardness and came into the softness of his life. And he came and knelt down before them. And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I'd like to have what you have in your thanksgiving. Now, look back at um, Philippians chapter 4, and let's just look at this verse because we all need this verse. Verse 5, or verse 6, excuse me. It's a command, be anxious for nothing. That anxiousness comes from things in our lives, from relationships gone wrong, from resource that we do not have, from things that just kind of kick us in the gut. And you lay awake at night and you wonder how these things are going to be come together. That's anxiousness. Um, Jesus talked in the Sermon on the Mount about being anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Don't let anything, any anxious care. This is anxious management. Don't let any anxiousness. And life is full of those anxious times. For the Philippians, they have people outside of them that are causing them trouble, causing them to suffer. 
They have people inside the church that are trying to dis, dis, discontent taking over the church. Be anxious. Anxiety hits us all. We're in a world of anxiety. We're wondering if Congress can ever get it together. We're wondering how the world's going to happen. And if Israel is fighting over there, how much is that going to involve us? If Afghanistan is fighting, how much is that going to involve us? And yet they're everyday bad relationships. And as families get together, old Uncle Sid will be there. You know who Uncle Sid is? He's a jerk that always shows up at Thanksgiving. And he kind of makes apart the serving go bad. He complains about everything. So you get anxious that Uncle, maybe, maybe he'll be hit by a bus on the way to the... <laughs> So everybody has an Uncle Sid somewhere in their family. And I'll let you name the one that you know that is in your family. Maybe a young person has gone a different direction. Maybe somebody has backed away from their faith. And we wonder where it's going. I wonder about raising this next generation in the world that we live in. Because it's a different kind of world than many of us face growing up. And how are they going to make it in the world that they're living in and still be steadfast in their faith in Jesus Christ? Anxious. You name your anxious. What is your anxious? Instead of just thinking about your anxiousness and letting it take over your thought patterns, here's a remedy in everything by prayer. And I hope you know how to pray. I hope you've taught another generation how to pray. Um, my uncle was uh, somebody, my dad was not a Christian when I was younger. My uncle became the kind of person that I drew from. And I'd watch my uncle, he'd go in the back room when I was there in Gastonburg. And I watched him as he got on his knees. And I watched him as he prayed. And I said, I want that. And I hope you have an example or you're leaving some kind of example of somebody who prays. I hope you get at your table and you pray or you pray in the morning and find a time to pray. Find that time that you are alone with God or maybe you're with a group and you have enough courage to say, thank you, God, for our food, or thank you, God, for this, or thank you, God, for blessing us. So instead of having an anxious moment, maybe this is one of those down-on-your-knees kind of moments when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed, not my will be done, but your will be done, and he sweat drops of blood. That's a squeeze-me prayer. That's when life squeezes me. Be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication. The word supplication means to be exact. Name your place of anxiousness. Uh, one of those prayers where you say, Lord, bless me and bless everybody, bless the hospital, bless, bless this. Here's the need. Here's what's controlling me. Here's what's driving my thinking. It's in my head. And I try to get it out. First Peter said to cast all your cares upon him 
for he cares upon you. And the word means cast means to throw off. That is, you got this terrible weight on your shoulders and you need to cast it off. And so you cast it off and you put it on his shoulders. Or maybe it's some kind of need you're just holding on to and you just don't let go. And you just open your hands and let it float off of you and float on to the shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can handle it. So either way, you cast your cares upon you because he cares for you. But here's what verse 7 comes after verse 6. But I want to say Thanksgiving. Remember a time when God has moved in your life that just blew your mind. Some kind of answered prayer where he did something for you that there seemed to be no solution. And you watch God answer prayer that only he could answer. So you remember that Thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God and there's this peace that passes understanding. It's a peace. You don't know it till you get there. It's a peace in our hearts, the place of our feet. It's a peace beyond our understanding. It's a peace that stands watch over our hearts and minds. It's a special kind of peace. Thanksgiving triggers that creative energy and that feeling from God that gives you that peace, shalom, peace. Amy is one of my favorite people. Uh, Amy is um, in her 30s. I've shared with you about Amy before. Uh, Amy had cancer. She uh, works with young girls. She works at Hollymont, which is a camp for a Christian camp for young girls. But Amy is a fine Christian lady, and she loves the Lord. She had cancer in her leg. And so she had her leg removed, and she thought that was the end of things. But a cancer cell survived, and it got into her lungs. And she's now at Wake Forest uh, University, the hospital at Wake Forest. And she's taking her chemotherapy treatments. She's lost her hair. She's lost a lot of weight. She almost looks like a kind of concentration camp victim. And she's fighting cancer. She shared with Susan and I the, the prayer, her prayer journal, and just listened to these words of a girl who was going through cancer. It is very challenging to live in this present when you know that what lies ahead can be difficult. But God knows exactly what is going on and has my days laid out just right. So I must continue to trust him and make the most of the days that I am given. I still grieve this diagnosis and want so badly for it to just go away. But know that there is still joy to come as I endure this trial. In the middle, she's thanking God in the middle of her cancer fight. Now, I want you to bow your heads for just a moment, and um, let's just practice what we need to practice. 
One is this, would you just, where you are, seated, would you thank God for our nation? We are a blessed nation. There are a lot of things that are wrong with our nation, but there's more things that are right. And so we're blessed to be in our nation. Would you name your anxiety, whatever your anxiety is? With prayer and supplication, name that anxiety. What is it? And you know that, and you can say it in your heart. What is it that struggling, you're struggling so hard with? Name that anxiety. And would you thank God for a moment in your life when he helped you through a situation? I thank God for helping me through calculus. Maybe you have a moment that God just moved and helped you through that moment. And would you ask for his peace that passes understanding? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.